Hi, I'm Gia Puyat, and this is Quantum Creatives, a podcast to get to know the stories, strategies, and lessons of Filipino creatives from different fields. It's no secret that the local music scene here in the Philippines is experiencing a sort of blossoming period with waves of local talent pouring out great songs in a diverse mix of genres. We've never had such an active network of musicians and music fans. Yet, whenever I think about an artist that quote-unquote made it in the local scene, I find myself asking, may day job kaya yun? Or full-time musician ang ba siya? And this is a question that doesn't really get brought up when you think of that romanticized rock star life. Yet, it's a harsh reality not only to musicians but artists in the Philippines in general. It's the classic passion versus paycheck situation. And the truth is, if you're super talented and lucky, you fall into the tiny percentage of artists that can do music full-time and still be financially comfortable. I'm talking about acts with a huge dedicated fan base that assure sold-out shows and millions of streams with every release. But if you're not like one of those acts, which is most musicians, you might need to be juggling a little more extra work. These are musicians who take on a full-time job while doing some extra audio rackets on the side before heading off to a late-night gig and repeating the whole thing five times a week. Jumping into the meat grinder just so they can keep pursuing their dreams of creating music. Well, I was in advertising for four years as a producer. And I decided to pursue music completely, just music, right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> so I can make it by just playing gigs every week. There are no gigs. <laughs> that was Senya. I've known him from the college music scene way back. I was a few batches older. My band Nanemo was already active, and I remember hearing his band for the first time. She's only 16. These young guys who just burst into the scene with these energetic, super catchy indie rock songs. And I'll admit, medyo na-challenge din talaga ako noong una kasi syempre feel na feel ko yung rock and roll sound namin and sino ba tong new indie guys na bago. But even back then, it was undeniable that these guys had talent. And with each new release, I saw their sound keep evolving, getting better and better as their fan base grew. And eventually, I got to know Senya a bit more and I could tell he was a creative with a mission. So this is why I wanted to have him on the podcast. He's now in a unique position where he recently decided to pursue music full-time. Tapos biglang tumama yung pandemic. So he's at a point where his experience has afforded him this unique perspective, which I think a lot of creatives will relate to. You'll find this episode useful if you want to get into the headspace of the freelance creative and see what it's like from a musician's point of view. We get into music making advice, marketing, or self-promotion, and just general insights on how to treat your creative work like an actual job. You'll see that he's a very easygoing guy, and that gives him this unique kind of perspective in staying mentally healthy in this weird musician's journey. So that's it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Senya. 
So for anyone who isn't familiar, could you just introduce yourself and take us through the kind of creative work you do? All right. So hello, <laughs> I am Senya, and I am the vocalist of She's Only 16. I am also a producer under the name of Lazy Maguire, but I am also a producer and DJ under the name Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. So I've been working on my solo stuff. I'm also working on an EP slash album, which is only 16. But then on the side at the moment, I'm also producing for different artists. I'm starting to do a lot of uh, scoring work. I've been helping other artists write their songs. And a little bit of a jingle singing and VOing <laughs> every now and then. DJing, but then that's pretty much on hold right now. <laughs> Purely almost everything is music related now. So before we get into it, I just wanted to ask about the context of growing up around music. How, like, how did music enter your life? I know you you come from a musical family. Maybe you could talk about that a bit. Sure. Well, as you said, I I, I do come from a musical family. My parents are I can't super describe what they are when I'm talking to someone. Because if you were older, you'd know them from Batibot. <laughs> My mom, she was the host. Was it Batibot or Sineskuela? One of those. Yung Sesame Street natin. And then they're on TV a lot. They they sing a lot. Corporate shows, guestings, and stuff like that. But then what they were known for more in the past was, well, they were they were shipped out to London to do West End plays, uh, show or musicals. My parents were in the original cast of Miss Saigon. My dad was in Jesus Christ Superstar. He was Judas. <laughs> they were. I think they were also in Hey Mr. Producer. They did a lot, so they were really theater savvy. Even when they came back, so they were known as singers, actors, thespians. Well, up to now, from what I could remember as a baby, because I was born in London, the character of my dad, because it dies in Miss Saigon, he gets shot by the Americans. Is he the engineer? He's the engineer, exactly. I I remember seeing a production of Miss Saigon here with Lea Salonga. So, Lea, the, the, yung... the early two thousands one in CCP. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one. Damn. He okay. he dies, and as a child, I was seated in the the balcony, as watching with I don't know who I was watching it with, but then Champer, I didn't have a concept of fiction, so I screamed, Dad! <laughs> <laughs> and then the guawala ako in the quiet theater, so like the ushers had to like bring me backstage and <laughs> show me that he was alive. <laughs> So yeah, normally with them, I watch their stuff when they have plays here. I don't really watch their teleseries when they're in one. <laughs> Sometimes their movies, but not all the time. Perishable yung mga plays and musicals, cause that's their pinaka thing. Would you say like major like manifest yo in being a performer? I guess the theatrics of it all, but then I wouldn't say it's because of my parents. I think just watching other. Bands do the thing on stage and how they, you know, project themselves on stage. I mean, pero hindi siya pinilit. It wasn't forced on me to do music. I guess it was a natural thing as a boy growing up listening to bands and then eventually being interested in picking up a guitar. Because I picked up a, gu- a guitar grade seven, six, and then <laughs> only because one of my classmates could play the ending theme song to SpongeBob. Wow! Oh my God! Parion! Oh shit! It's not even because of this crazy rock song with a crazy riff. No, it was that. I just wanted to do that. 
Yeah, and then eventually, you know, banda banda, grade school, I was a guitarist all the time, and then jumping from different bands growing up, and then when I was in high school, yung org namin, it was a music org. Uh, si Ryan Villena of Techie Romantics was also our Filipino teacher and org moderator. He, when I think we were in first, first or second year high school, around that time, eh, diba, uso sa high school yung cover bands. Cover, and, and, and we were all cover bands at one point in our lives, but then at, at the peak of everyone trying to cover Alert the Armory or Frailty or That's What You Get. <laughs> I think him as a musician, because he was in Narda and Teki Romantics was starting out. So, Shempe, they were very involved in like, you know, early 2000s or OPM and stuff like that. So, I guess he wanted to impart that to younger kids. Na, no, covers are cool, so you guys, but you guys should start writing. So, he had a project. By the end of the year, our org should have an album. He, w- he was going to bring his old 8-trap Tascam recorder to one of the org rooms. And then we recorded some pressure to write every week. He pressured us to write every week, which is great. And then I wrote my first song. And then I think that's how it started with me. Like when I first put chords and words together and then naging thing ko na lang siya throughout high school, I guess. Early on, naging experiment now with GarageBand and how to record on my own. So I guess that started at taking it a little more seriously. And then next thing I know, we're playing shows left and right. And we started recording our EP and then here we are. Okay, so college is where Senya's band, She's Only 16, blew up. And that's also when I first heard about them. And it was the start of a long tug of war between music and career. We talked more about that journey. I took up legal management, again, which has no relation. I didn't finish. I stopped during my last term in college to pursue music. It's this, I've had this long bout To just pursue music and then like taking back on my word and going back. So, yeah. That's interesting. After saying it, after just saying it now, I didn't even see it that way. Na twice or thrice na ako in my life na conflict about just pursuing music full time. Wow. Why, why do you think there's that conflict? I mean, I think it's something that's very relatable to a lot of people. Na parang, oh, for sure. Diba? I, mean, I mean, I was content college pa lang eh, with how my music career was going. I mean, I was making money in college, and then I think that's why I had the balls to stop going. A <laughs> mindset because before, if I'm gonna leave college, I gotta back it up with success, regardless of degree, diba? So, parang so I had to make moves for myself. So I wanted to try getting a job. I got, I got my first job was at the age of 25, <laughs> 24, which is pretty late according to normal Pinoy standards. What made so like during that time when you were producing, sinasabay may music around that while doing your day job in advertising? <laughs> oh hell yeah! <laughs> to, to my own personal demise, yes, there would be times I'd have an offline, thinking that it would end early. By the way, for those of you who don't know, an offline is a meeting we have in production where we wait for client approvals on an edit, and pwede talaga siyang tumagal sa katulian. And then I'd have to go to like hit Loudbox or Sound Design to fix the audio, and then I'd have a gig at like twelve and rush to that, and then maybe even go back to the offline because something else needs to be done. I was doing that for a while, or sometimes my gigs na I can't say no to, and then it ends at like four, and then my call time at five thirty. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was hard to balance. That's crazy. For four years, you're doing that. 
I tried. If I chose one, I would have fully excelled in the other. <laughs> but I didn't want to put myself to, you know, choose. So I tried. And now I'm trying to do just one thing. <laughs> uh, you guys did the, the new 16 album while you were in that phase, right? Oh, yeah. I remember during the vocal recordings of whatever that was, the album. <laughs> in between vocal takes, I'd, I run, I'd run out of the booth. And answer Viber messages for like agency comments or my boss was talking to me or like I'd quickly do a summary of bids and then go back to singing the song. <laughs> it, was a, it was a trip. I tried. I tried my best <laughs> to make sure nothing, you know, fucks up. But they did. It was a learning experience. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I salute you for that effort. I see how much work a producer has to do on an advertising project. Can't believe you're able to put out an album and do all these things while doing that. I, I can't believe it too. I feel like I aged. Was there like a like a moment that you thought, I can't do it. Or mas parang positive reinforcement na, like, no, I'd rather do music. Well, my first stint as a producer, it was really challenging. So it didn't completely work out. And I would... I would like to think that people who take up like film or advertising or anything in that area in college would have killed to be part of the company I was in if they were interested in that position. And I, that job just landed on my lap via a tweet. <laughs> and at that time, I was producing events with Logic Club. And I was producing shows and music for other people. And in my head, when you say producer... No matter what field it is, it's the same. Lo and behold, it is not. <laughs> so, I, so I signed and then I, I was filled in what we had to do. And then like on my first day, I had, I had to go to three production meetings with three big time directors with a huge client in the same room. It was one client, same prod house, three different directors. Toloy, toloy. So that was over a six hour meeting. And it was my first day on the job. Of course, with my boss. And I was just listening to everyone talk. I'm like, what the fuck did I get into? <laughs> and then like, but then me with zero, absolutely zero background and all that stuff. Sovereign, oh shit, pumirma na ako. <laughs> well, cut to the present with how I dealt with it. You know, I wanted to go back into advertising. So that was post-production. It was a little more, it was a little easier. But then it still wasn't working out. Like at the back of my head, I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life or who I am. Why am I even lying to myself anymore? I mean, like, I liked what I learned. I appreciate it. I apply it in so many things now. But it's time to wear my real shoes. You know what I mean? <laughs> nice. So, major internal conversation to for lots of artists, right? Stick with the life-sucking day job or make it work with your creative career. Was this like a recurring question throughout your journey with music? My trajectory as a musician, sobrang up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Steady naman palagi. Hindi naman siya nagbe below zero. Pero sometimes I feel like if I just fully concentrated on this when I was 20 up to today, we'd probably have more albums out. I would have probably sorted out solo stuff earlier. May, may mga ganong thoughts. But then like, well, you can't do anything about that now. It's more of like, at least now, I'm just... I've never been more creatively focused in my life, at, at least in the music part of things. One of the biggest reasons why I opted to even get a job in the first job, another job in the first place, was I didn't want to make 
though I was making money with music, but then I didn't want it to be the thing that would stress me out if I wasn't, you know? You, you wanted to keep it pure, kumbaga. Like, th- this, shouldn't be, this shouldn't be a reason for me to find a way to, like, you know, live. Because it's supposed to be pure. But as I grew older, like, parang, why not? <laughs> why, why not make it the thing that makes you live anyway? For musicians to make this leap of faith, the pressure to decide to do it is one thing. But actually making a good track that will resonate with audiences is another thing entirely. I asked him for the young upcoming producers and musicians. What kind of advice could he give in making good music at home? If you want to make music at home, there's a lot of um, learning involved. I mean, I watch YouTube videos day in, day out of how, how to make your kick sound professional or what, what everything means in a synthesizer, what any waveform, any everything, and how that all correlates together, how to make things sound bigger. It's a lot of nerdy. There's a lot of nerdy shit behind it. So if you were to start making music at home, of course, you need the equipment. That's a whole different discussion. There, there is a certain privilege to be able to make music at home. I mean, of course, you need a computer. And then whether you decide to torrent your software or buy it, that's up to you. I personally am crossed over to the world of purchasing my things. But then it's really, of course, I have to tell this young producer that don't get too much stuff because there's a choice anxiety when you have too much stuff. You won't be able to master any kind of particular virtual instrument if you have too much stuff or you get lost in the presets and then you end up not having your own sound because a preset is cool, but then if you keep sticking to presets, then the chances are that you won't sound like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so basically, it's a lot. You have to, if, if you were to try to do what I'm doing now, you really have to nerd out. It's a lot of nerding out. I mean, another person will tell you, oh, you just need a good song. I am no longer a believer of that. There are lots of good songs, but then they don't get attention. There's so much good music, especially locally. But then like, there's a reason why pop music is so popular because it sounds good to the ear. It's just easy to listen to. But not to say it's simple. It's just every, every element was well thought out. Therefore, when you hear a, a Dua Lipa song or a K-pop song even, it's just so easy to get into because whether... They're riffing off a drum and bass kind of sound or like a super hip-hop driven kind of sound. It's, it's super digestible. Right. So speaking of pop music and I guess relating to your DJ work, does being open to different genres help you in making better music? Be open to everything. You know, it's much better. I mean, everyone has their niche. I have my niche. But then to be able to practice different kinds of sounds or genres is just it makes you appreciate everything else ang, ang laki ng appreciation mo sa music in general let's say some people don't like house music because it's repetitive right but then if you try making a house track it's so hard because it's you're not just trying to make a catchy song you're, you're trying to make a song where people will dance and that's not something so easily objective to say like do you hold your keyboard and say oh yeah they're gonna start twerking to this one. <laughs> it's not, it's, there are so many factors of why people dance to certain types of sound. And then there are factors like knowing how to make 
the beat bounce. It's not just because you made a cool beat. It's more of like how how does each element breathe with one another? Therefore, the track is breathing. Therefore, the track is bouncing. Therefore, the person listening to it feels like, you know, moving a bit. If If I didn't read, if I didn't watch anything, or if I didn't try to emulate anyone that I enjoy listening to, then I would be stuck mm. in a circle. So speaking of circles, musicians can get stuck in never finishing songs because it's never good enough or whatever reason, right? I've been there. What advice would you give for that type of situation? I give myself a deadline. I've learned to give myself deadlines. So especially now, I just can't, I, I can't sit on a song for a year and, then, and that won't get me anywhere. Uh, so I've been more organized now. So like I'd have like week one, finish St. Vincent Rock week and redo Lazy Maguire vocals, work on lyrics of Ganito Ganyan. I guess the organizing thing, the, the production learnings I learned through advertising helped out with that. My discipline, eh? I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm a lazy guy. <laughs> I'm a hella lazy guy. If I, if I, if I don't feel worried, I'll lie down. <laughs> so it's nice to always feel <laughs> worried, at least in my position. Because if I don't do anything, I'm, I'm fucked. <laughs> Damn, dude. Yeah, I can super relate. Like, using a calendar was something I never really used to do until getting into production where they're just deadlines. And like, I started oh, noticing yeah. that once you give yourself a deadline, like, shit actually happens, you know? Yeah. Like, Timetable is life. <laughs> <laughs> Were you like that before? Like, is that something you just picked up through through your work? Just through the past four years. And I've only tried to solidify it y- this year, actually, given the choice that I've made. I mean, things have happened for me because we worked on it, but then now I'm just a little more pressed for time. I mean, like, we're not getting any younger. I mean, that's a factor to me, too. There's so much young talent now, and they're, they're just generally driven by their youth. <laughs> I mean, plus talent, of course. But then, like, iba naman yung energy mo when you're 21, eh. Especially, iba naman yung energy mo when you're not worried about rent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, parang, it's that. Yeah, just keeping a schedule and then always just working on your stuff. I try to have a calendar even if I'm not particularly working on anything. Like, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I work on Lazy Maguire stuff. Tuesday, Thursdays, it's either St. Vincent stuff or the commissioned work I have to do and then Fridays to Sundays it's she's only 16 let's say this musician parang nagawa na niya, like he has a track like he's cold in during the pandemic and working on all this stuff what's mm-hmm. the what kind of advice would you give on a social level how do you get your music out there there's so much music out there so I mean that's the biggest challenge right everyone has the talent to write a song but then how do you get people to hear it I think that's the number one question in every serious musician's minds I had a long uh, journey with that question but then like and advertising taught me this (laughs) of course without hard selling your music so much but then like normally the rookie mistake is just posting it once I think that's a rookie mistake because if your track is generally good, if you believe that it's good, and you know at least your friends believe that it's good genuinely, not just because they're your friends, then there's a huge chance that other people will like it. But the challenge is, how do you get there? I mean, think of it this way. There is a big reason why Bench bought those billboards in Guadalupe. It's so that every day when you're coming home from work from Makati to QC, you see a Bench billboard. 
they paid for frequency, right? The frequency of how much you see a bench ad. And I think it should be the same with music if you're trying to get to that level. I mean, like, if you really want to get heard. I mean, there are a lot of musicians that also don't care if no one listens to their stuff. But then if you do care, <laughs> you really have to put in the work of getting people to hear it. I mean, like, it does sound jarring to yourself to always, hey, listen to my track, hey, listen to my track. Posting, tweeting, Instagram every day. But then that's the game now, especially now. Because before, if at least you get a decent small following, a promoter will probably catch on and book you for a show and then you'll play for uh, 50 to 300 people and then you'll probably gain fans in that and then that will grow, that will grow, that will grow. That's a normal way of doing things aside from like marketing, marketing it online. But then now in the pandemic, you know, it's a content creator's game out there. <laughs> you know, we were all laughing at influencers, but then they're the ones who are making money at home with their phones and Instagram right now without worrying too much because a brand can just approach them and say, hey, take a picture of this and then we'll give you 50,000 pesos. <laughs> I mean, and then they're the ones, they were ahead of the curb. I mean, I'm not pro-influencer or anything. <laughs> it's, it's just that I appreciate that you can apply that the thinking to, to music without having to, you know, sounding too cheesy or corny. Get skin, like I guess there's a shame in kind of promoting your own music too much. I guess for for some musicians thinking, you know, if it's if it's a really good song, I don't need to touch it. It's just gonna do its do well on its own. But do you think that thinking is kind of outdated and unrealistic? I would say it's unrealistic, but I'm not gonna say that it doesn't happen, <laughs> and because it does, you know, like like one big song and then suddenly boom, you're you're a fucking star. But then you know. It's not the same. It's not. It's like it's the American dream of making music. Of like, okay, you hear it, gets out, gets popular, then I'm good, millionaire now. <laughs> but that's not the case for a lot of us. I mean, you really have to put in the work, especially if you're starting now. I mean, like we're all blessed to have the internet, and it's so easy to put yourself out there. But given that the competition level is so high, and then you know privilege seeps into the conversation especially if you know you're just a popular guy just because prior to you making music so it's easy for you to put yourself out there but then if you're the introverted person who's very talented not much friends doesn't really go out but you really want to put your music out there then you really have to put in the work it's a matter of it's a lot of diy if you have to email a blog if you have to choose the right aggregator putting out your music because that's also a factor like, you know, how you put your stuff up on Spotify. So I guess para major related din siya in nerding out and putting in the time. Like, you also have to do that with how the industry works, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's all shifted now, for sure. I don't even fully understand it now. I'm just trying to ride the wave of what I think works. I've never been so thoughtful of what kind of music content I post on my Instagram. But now I am just so... If you think me, there's a lot of music stuff going on with me. How about, what are the bad recommendations you hear about your industry? About music? Oh, there's so much bad recommendations. You know, one of the worst recommendations I heard was from Dave Grohl. (laughs) 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 It was from Dave Grohl. And I remember this meme coming out. Like, you know, before in the 90s, before American Idol and all that shit, all you need is a guitar, some friends, and rock and and roll. I remember that. (laughs) Ulul! 
Hindi na ganun. Sobrang, no, bro. <laughs> to me, that's bad advice. I mean, like, what? That doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, that's the American dream way of pursuing this industry or any any creative field. Are you gonna tell a photo? You just need one good photo, man. <laughs> you just want, you need one good 30s TVC. This, you know, awards left and right. <laughs> I mean, like it's always just working on your craft 24/7. It's it's that. Aside from the advice of getting your music out there. We touched up on how important relationships are in that whole music scene. I think that's also important, you know, to make your close-knit friends in the industry you're working on. I mean, I think it'd do more good than harm if you weren't a dick to everyone. You can be a dick. You can be a dick to some people, but not everyone. <laughs> I'm lucky to have a very supportive group of friends, even of the ones who aren't musicians, even the ones who are in photography or ad- advertising or fashion. So that helps a lot, especially that I am friends with a lot of people in the freelance world. So medyo tulongan in that way, because, you know, we all need content from each other one way or another. I need to score something for a friend that does media or like, I need a lyric video for my stuff. I'm gonna... On a more on a more social political aspect, oh, good vibes lang dapat yung music. No, it's not good vibes lang ang music. A lot of music was created because maraming bad vibes, <laughs> de ba parang ayoko ng uber positive scene, you know. And then like or dapat music music lang dapat hindi tayo critical to each other's work. No, no Ren. I'd love it for someone to tell it to my face. No, this this wasn't your best work. You can do better. I'd love to hear that. Like someone to tell me, tell me that to my face, because I, that will sting for sure. But then, like, I mean, like, if you were in the right headspace, that should just drive you to work harder. I don't like musicians who just kiss each other's asses, you know, or in any in any industry. How else can this music thing improve? Because though there is this indie boom, it's still it's not an equal playing ground for everyone. Yeah. Well, nasa kultura talaga ng Pinoy, di ba? Na parang criticism equals bashing. The thing is, kasi if you're a musician yourself, and then you're more or less kind of known, and then you talk, it's not even talking shit, it's just like actually being critical about other people's work. You look like an, you look like an asshole, no matter what you do. If I go on Facebook Live and tell people that Ben and Ben is not that good, <laughs> I will probably <laughs> I will be crucified but then like and not to say that they're not good but then that's an example but, but then like you can't there's a difference between um, you know just completely bashing oh yuck bashing ba- bashing out of spite versus you know actually giving an objective review I mean of course reviews at the end of the day don't mean anything I mean it's all at the end of the day it's all super subjective <laughs> but then You know, it drives health. Now, coming from a discussion of health, we zeroed in on the musician's creative headspace, starting with the ability to listen to criticism of one's own work, which is a really hard thing, admittedly, even for me, because it could have effects of either a huge ego boost or just this crippling shame and pain. I asked Senya about how he deals with that kind of stuff. I've gotten a bad She's Only 16 review. I read it recently. 
<laughs> na conscious ako in one aspect of that review. Like, parang, oh, why is he still singing like a dis- uh, why is he still writing like a disgruntled 25 year old? <laughs> but then the next time I'm writing lyrics, oh, I don't want to sound like a disgruntled 25 year old. <laughs> but then, like, you, you know, well, it affected me at least, at least a little more consciously. But oh, he might be right. <laughs> the themes may not change. But then, like, I wouldn't take it against that person wholly if that's what he or she thinks. But I think there should be more criticism. Yeah, let's let's continue that about reviews. When you read something that's kind of unsavory of like this thing that took you months or maybe even years to make, like how do you approach that? Like, do you kind of make sure you're in the right mindset before you click that link? Um, contrary to popular belief, I, I like taking criticism because I dish so much criticism out to other things as well. You know, don't don't dish what you can't take, Deva. Right? That's the, that's the saying. Is is that the saying? That <laughs> Maybe you said it. <laughs> uh, but then, like you know, like reading a bad review. I mean, if you have to put yourself in a headspace to be prepared to read one, then you, then go. But then, like generally, at the end of it all, reading a review about your own work is just like getting advice. Either you take it or you don't. <laughs> I mean, like everyone gets advice one way or another, no matter what you're doing. It's a matter if you <laughs> listen to that advice or not. At the end of the day, you know what's best. For your craft, especially if you take it that serious. If you don't, then maybe you shouldn't be listening to critics. <laughs> Even if you get a good review, you don't let it get to your head. I mean, it feels good, but then like, it's not like, I'm the shit. I'll probably do this again. Maybe you shouldn't because, you know, it might not work a second time around. Do you delineate between like reviews and comments? What's your policy with reading comments? Well, comments in general... You know, these are just names on the internet to me. I mean, like, I've, I receive more praise than criticism more often than not. I mean, but then, like, when I do see, like, you know, a whack comment, I like to laugh at it. Because, eh. you know, I'm in that headspace generally that I can laugh at a negative thing no matter what it is. Because why should that, you know, ruin my day? <laughs> and if this person isn't a musician... Anyway, you know, it's just some snooty music listener. And then, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Carry on with your day. <laughs> right, right. If you bother to get bothered by everything you read about yourself online, especially if you're the type of person that really tries to put yourself out there, then that'll do harm to your work. I mean, on a personal level, like we've dealt with a constant comparison with Arctic Monkeys and the Strokes for most of my band life, even though by the time 2014, 15 hints sobrang out of it now, like, I mean, like, out of that headspace of even, like, trying to emulate what they sounded like. I'm not gonna lie, I, I did. <laughs> but then, like, after, you know, opening myself up to more music and, like, you know, just advancing in skill, generally, of what chords to play or what riffs to play or what melodies to use, we still get that comparison. And, like, it's annoying <laughs> sometimes when, especially when it really doesn't sound like it. Like it still got compared. Then, yeah, and I'm like, huh? How, man? Like, tell me, please explain. As in, like, explain it to me. Cause, no, because that really affected the way I worked in in a positive way. That comparison. No, though it was never an insult. It was just something a comparison I wanted to leave. So I guess 
in my mid twenties, sobrang wary na ako of how I play a chord. Gets. So related to that, we have a lot of musician friends, and it's quite common that a lot of them are plagued with this anxiety. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed or anxious? That's something I deal with every day. I mean, like, again, it's a it's a never-ending battle. I mean, creative work in general, especially if you're doing it unstructured. I mean, it's structured, but then, like, you know, in a freelance kind of thing. I have learned to keep a journal. So every day on my laptop, then some notes, some Mac, there's a tab there for journal. I write on it almost every day regardless of what I feel like writing. As in, it may be a phrase, a sentence, a full-on paragraph, a full-on essay. Means it can go from a full-on existential crisis to nagluto ako ng corned beef today. <laughs> to look back at and to see where you're at. Like, it's a nice way to check where you're at today as opposed to two weeks ago. And on the writing side of things, you get to pull out natural words without being constricted to syllables, phrases, and tempo that I can take from and put it in a song. But then on a mental health type of thing, it's a, yeah, it helps to keep a journal. I recommend everyone to do it, especially now, <laughs> now that we're all stuck at home. Like every day, just anything, super anything. I got this from Jim Bakaro of Cheats when we invited him over for, for me lang ha. When I got him in Kido Kosho, that's something that he does and I tried to do it myself. I've just been trying to learn more and more about myself and everything else during this month. I mean, what else can we do? In terms of like anxiety with the making of music and whatever, it's it's always there, you know, you're, especially when you're hard on yourself. Like if you're like me in a barang, you're never happy with what's currently playing from your monitors even though you think it's done. You should take a break. My one time I was finishing this song and I was super not happy with it and then I stopped working on it for a week. I went back to it and it felt better. You know, you just need a break. Probably when you start getting frustrated with Has the biking been helping recently? Oh yeah, dude. As in what I realized is like after like six months of being at home. I mean before the pandemic I'm a very outgoing person. I'm almost out every day whether I'm playing or just watching someone play or having a drink somewhere. Well, I used I have this bout with exercise because before I used to run a lot, swim a lot. I was on a dragon boat team. <laughs> and then so far up and down is fitness path. Ko. But then I got this bike and then yeah, it cleans your head. It's a nice physical outlet. If there's anything I can add to this podcast, what I realized about my own creative thing is that music to me is not a reliever of stress. It's a manifestation of it. Whatever is going in this keyboard or these words or the voice or whatever I'm making, it's it's most likely a manifestation of what I'm feeling. So I can't treat it as a stress reliever. So the biking or being physically active has become the stress reliever. I think but I think I thought about it wrong. Like oh music is such a release. It is I think when you're playing live. <laughs> but like now in the creation process it's it does not relieve me of any stress. In fact, it gives me more. <laughs> yeah, it really is a manifestation of what I'm feeling. I think that applies to any art form. Like, you know, it's pretty much emotion put on film, paper, or sound. Know what I mean? Yeah, ganda. That, that's actually something I've been interested in because 
there, there are lots of parallels in the process of an artist and an athlete. Is that something that that's come to mind before? Uh, a nuggets nga in the sports and athletic world that should be applied to the creative field. I think maraming creative snobs that laugh at people who just do sports. Pero that is nga the pinaka system of creativity. You work on everything so hard to achieve the physical result. It's it's a it's a tangible manifestation of working hard and getting what you want. Eh. Yeah. So it's that basically that if we can apply those basic things nga in terms of physicality into creativity, I think then we do much better. You know that discipline. I mean, like I think athletes work harder than creative people. Even though they get much more and what you think, oh, billionaire shot because he could shoot a ball in a basket. Pero it's a skill that he developed, therefore he gets to that kind of, you know, level in life. And I think that applies to any creative field. By this time, there was a lot that we covered that Kaetsi Senya himself, he was reflecting on his growth and the change of perspective as a musician. So I asked him if there was any new belief in, let's say, the past five years that has really benefited him. On a personal level, if you're talking about the last past five years, I'm not a fan of joining the local rat race of music. I've always been geared toward, you know, putting it out for the world to hear, not just here. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, like, she's only 16's music isn't automatically accessible to the everyday Filipino. I mean, I wish it was, but that's not the case. Like, even if it gets popular here, I want the intention and the effort put into it. It's for everywhere. I mean, like, um, your goal is to make a great song that everyone will love. It's nice to have that goal, but you should really be focusing on the steps towards that goal, which includes the work put into the song, the marketing, the whatever you need to do to make that goal happen. And all this talk reminded me of one of my favorite pieces of advice from James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, who is also an athlete. He talked about prioritizing a systems-based approach over one that focuses solely on goals. Because if you look at it in the bigger picture, most musicians share the same goal of wanting to have a successful music career. It is a common goal. But what separates the 1% of successful artists is the consistent day-to-day actions that make up their systems of behavior. Maybe we're onto something here. Maybe this is the mindset needed to live a life as a successful creative in this country. Who knows? Jay-Z has this video about why all these young rappers are trying to be like him, but then they don't succeed. He was driving this point now. You're supposed to be emulating the process, not the success. In any, any field, when we're talking about goals, it's more of like, I have to be this, I have to be that, but then you don't even focus on the steps you need to take. You find yourself disappointed that you're not there yet, but then if you try to compartmentalize those steps, mas objective mo nakikita yung progress mo. And then you appreciate the work further and you put in more eye and heart and hand into what you're making. So yeah, I guess there's that. Thank you, Jay-Z. <laughs> we ended it on a Jay-Z wisdom nugget. Ganda. <laughs> Why not believe him? <laughs> That's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can follow Senya on IG at rsenyagram. 
Listen to his band She's Only 16, his solo act Lazy Maguire, or book him as a DJ at St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Find us at Kwentong Creatives on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow me at GioPuyat on Instagram. Big thanks to DJ ET the Fourth for our music and Laser Kaluya for our design and branding.